0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Today is August 26th, 2022. At the time of this recording, this is uh, Unleashing the Kraken, episode 240 here at Generation Z. I am so excited for today's episode. I have set the lineup for a specific type of topic flow, and this will be a longer report because there is a lot to cover. Uh, we The last time Dave and I did a recording together, we focused just on the science side of breakthroughs around the world. And this is gonna be specifically with the geopolitical side of things. So thank you everyone for all of your comments, your engagement, su- supporting the channel and sharing the channel. Uh, we do have a Patreon. It's uh, GenerationsEd slash Patreon where you can uh, support our work, join in on the Zoom calls, get on, in on the Telegram chats and there's hundreds and hundreds of hours of content. For today's journey, uh, first up, we will get the CV19 stuff out of the way uh, as there's been more massive progress with the public information that is being acknowledged by mainstream news outlets that needs to be talked about. And then once we get that out of the way, we're going to go to Finland, we're going to go to Germany, we're going to look at a lot of the USA Uh, updates as well as the related industrial military complex stories followed by other world military and war updates then there is a lot of corruption and judiciary scandals internationally that we are following up on from previous reports like sri lanka and malaysia now please stick through this episode all the way uh Because at about 70% of the report is when we're going to get into some pretty controversial articles that we actually have to be a little careful uh, reporting on. And just a little teaser, it's about uh, our, you know, the uh, notorious uh, Epstein. Then we are going to lighten up the mood a bit to end the segment covering some unique stories about archaeology so please enjoy this episode and let's unleash the kraken and i'm just gonna share my screen okay so first off moderna sues pfizer BioNTech for patent infringement over the covid vaccine this is ctv news this is New as of today, August 26th. Moderna sued Pfizer and its German partner BioNTech on Friday for patent infringement in the development of the first COVID-19 vaccine approved in the United States, alleging they copied technology that Moderna developed years before the pandemic. Pfizer shares fell nearly 1%, while BioNTech US listed shares were about 1.5%, and Moderna shares slipped one and 1.7 on Friday. But the important thing with all of this is in an emailed statement, a Pfizer spokesperson said, Pfizer BioNTech has not yet fully reviewed the complaint, but we are surprised by the litigation given the CV19 jabs are based on BioNTech's prop Propriety mRNA technology and developed by both BioNTech and Pfizer. We remain confident in their intellectual property supporting the Pfizer BioNTech uh, jab and will vigorously defend against the allegations of the lawsuit. But what we need to bring attention to the public sphere, and I know that this is how I'm starting out the Kraken, so it could be a little sensitive with all the censorship and all that, but this this needs to be talked about. Um moderna's cv jab its lone commercial product has brought 10.4 billion in revenue this year while while pfizer's jab brought in about 22 million 22 billion but what is being revealed with this whole lawsuit is that in friday's statement the two pharmaceutical companies explain one was in. so uh let's just read it in friday's statement moderna said pfizer appropriated two types of intellectual property. One involved an mRNA structure that Moderna says its scientists began developing in 2010 and were the first to validate it in human trials in 2015. In 2015. Really? Okay. Because wasn't the whole thing that it was brand new and that they hadn't been developing it? But uh, they do go on to say that the second alleged infringement involves the coding of a full-length spike protein that Moderna says its scientists developed while creating a vaccine for the coronavirus that causes Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. So this is, uh, I think, extremely important, actually, because the whole pandemic was uh, never, like, we we saw the use of this technology that, yes, the mRNA stuff was being used for years before, but the patents of the specific technology as if they knew? Well, we're not going to... So, yeah, you know, read the articles. We'll provide the links for you uh, below, but this one is a really big one, and this is uh, look at Whitney Webb at Unlimited Hangout for a deeper dive into Moderna, specifically, and their involvement with the uh, pharmaceutical industrial complex. And Uh, On to the next one from the Jerusalem post COVID-19 isolation and compulsory masks should be canceled, says the Itchalov CEO. Isolation is still compulsory for people who test positive for COVID-19 and masks have to be worn in medical and welfare institutions. This is from August 24th. They say that the the CEO of this hospital in Tel Aviv, says the time has come to cancel compulsory isolation for people who have COVID-19. Okay, right on. I agree with that. And so that's interesting that that's happening in Israel. But now let's go to Canada in the next story. Some universities across Canada requiring masks despite provincial health orders. This is from August 24th. Universities that require masks on campus are in the minority as the fall semester and the prospect of another wave of CV-19 infections loom. Despite the lifting of provincial and territorial mask requirements, some post-secondary institutions have decided to keep them for the safety of staff and students. I mean, I know I can't be too critical of of uh, these restrictions, and I'm sure that we all know uh, where our, we've, we fundamentally uh, reside in this spectrum of health restrictions and all that. But just refer to this article from a CEO of a hospital in Tel Aviv. And then now let's go to the universities of Canada here. So bit of a swing, a bit of a difference in how they are still perceiving the threats of these alleged infections. On to the next one. So I know I said we're, we're just getting the COVID out of the way because yeah, might as well. So Acheson condemns the Lewis's Nuremberg email as dog whistle to COVID vaccine critics. This is from CTV News. From August 25th, Conservative. this is a Canadian story. A conservative party leader candidate, Scott Aitchison, is condemning Lesland Lewis's message to members last week about the Nuremberg Code and medical experimentation as nothing but a dog whistle to the jab critics. Yeah, now this is a, a pretty tough one to follow along with, but let's just see where, he, what he, where he's coming from. He referred to those values in Thursday's message, saying he has heard from Canadians who were confused and appalled at the comparison Lewis drew between contemporary issues and the Holocaust. In her message, Lewis provided a timeline of moments in history where humans have been subjected in experimentation, including some Indigenous children in residential schools who were malnourished. She wrote that, Quote, even in modern times, the tenets of informed consent and voluntary participation in scientific experiment experiments can be easily undermined by even our modern governments. Okay, so how is this a uh just a dog whistle? Um yeah, I guess that they're using it as a false uh false pretense to compare the government's actions right now to what was going on in Germany. But Just uh, so we understand, what is the Nuremberg Code that a lot of doctors uh, around the world have said is being breached and ignored by the governments implementing certain health restrictions? Well, the Nuremberg Code is a set of ethical research principles for human experimentation created by the court in the U.S. versus Brandt one of the subsequent Nuremberg trials that were held after the Second World War. Though it was articulated as part of the court's verdict in the trial, the code would later become significant beyond its original context. In a review written on the 50th anniversary of the Brandt verdict, Jay Cates writes that, a careful reading of the judgment suggests that the the authors wrote the code for the practice of human experimentation whenever it is being conducted. So I guess uh, the critic in the conservative party is using the Nuremberg code as an example of breaching ethics because people arguably were coerced into taking voluntary medical injections. And if you lost your job or had issues with not being allowed to participate in society, you were told that, well, you did have a choice that you that it's it's voluntary, and nobody's being forced to do it. Yet at the same time, it's supposedly brand new technology that had never been used before. Yet at the same time, we just looked at the news articles that explains that Moderna had actually, in fact, patented mRNA technology. So this is going to be very interesting to see how all of this unveils in the uh, coming days, weeks, months, who knows how it's long uh, how long it's going to take, but things are the Pandora's box is opening up it seems. Okay, so on to the next uh, on to the next series. We're looking at we're going to Finland here. So, Finland asks, does a prime minister have a right to party? In a leaked video, Finland's prime minister, Sanna Marin, is seen dancing and singing with friends at a private party. The 36-year-old poses for the camera. She sits on her knees, hands behind her head. She's entangled in a group hug. She's having a good time. So she also had to take a drug test. She said that she did not, uh, she wasn't on any drugs. She was drunk, but didn't have any drugs. Okay, so the big controversy is, uh, I guess, her inappropriate behavior. I mean, who really cares? They're human. She can do whatever she wants, right? But the reason why this article is important is because, well, what else is happening in regards to Finland on the world stage? what else is going on? Could this story be a distraction? Could this leak video have been to uh, distract us from something else? Well, what's uh, what else is going on in Finland? Oh, here we have it from August 20th. Finland and Sweden offer NATO an edge as rivalry warms up north. So the first surprise for the Finnish conscripts and officers taking part in a NATO-hosted military exercise in the Arctic this spring, the sudden roar of a U.S. Marine helicopter assault force touching down in a field right next to the Finns' well-hidden command post. So we know that uh, uh, Finland and Sweden, who uh, Joe Biden refers to as our allies of the North, are bringing military and territorial advantages to the Western Defense Alliance. Okay, so that we know that Sweden and Finland both just joined NATO. That was a big deal. Okay, what else is happening in Finland? Well, f- according to Al Jazeera, Finland puts journalists on trial for revealing defense secrets. This is from August 25th. Tuomo Paita Lina, Laura Halmi and Kali Silverberg are accused of publishing classified documents in a newspaper. So Finland has put 3 journalists on trial on charges of revealing national defense secrets for allegedly publishing classified documents in a newspaper article. The December 16, 2017 article in a daily newspaper Helsingin Sanomat focused on the activities of the Finnish Intelligence Research Centre, a military intelligence agency. The investigative report revealed the rough location and tasks of an intelligence unit of the Defense Forces. The reporters and the paper's acting manager uh, have denied any wrongdoing. If convicted, they they face prison sentences of up to four years. I mean, this is probably a pretty big scandal in in the Finnish uh, world. And so just, I wanted to connect those stories there so that we're seeing some context of like, okay, there's a lot of focus on the, the prime minister of Finland dancing, sure. But is that really what we should be paying attention to? And just to cap off uh, this little Finland uh, rabbit hole here, here's an article from the World Economic Forum from May 18th, 2021. And this is the face of the Finnish prime minister, Finland's prime minister on why innovation alone can't tackle the climate crisis. This is one one of a series of articles written by young global leaders with action-oriented ideas to improve the state of the world by 2030. So... Here is the Prime Minister of fin- uh, Finland being a part of an article from the World Economic Forum published by the Young Global Leaders, which seems to indicate that Sanna Marin is a young global leader herself. Okay. Um, that's all we're going to get into there, but just bringing that to our attention. Up next, and this is still kind of similar to Finland, but we're, we're venturing forward here, uh, from CTV News trudeau links canadian investments in north american defense to european security prime minister justin trudeau wants european allies to know that when canada invests in defending north america and the canadian arctic they also benefit the prime minister directly linked canada's work with the us on defending the continent to security in europe during a news conference today at a royal canadian air force base in cold lake alberta the news conference came at, a, at the end of a two-day visit by NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg, during which Trudeau showcased some of the investments and activities that Canada is making in its Arctic. Right. Well, uh, yeah, sure. I guess that they're probably going to be ramping up a lot of the defense for Canada, saying that Russia might try to invade from the north. And I know personally that people have told me that that is a genuine concern of theirs. And... I personally just don't share those same concerns and really don't like that we are investing money in defense at this time. That's all a bunch of hullabaloo in my opinion. But next up, we're going to go to Germany here. Now, this is th- these next two stories. This this is intriguing. Germany's Chancellor Scholz testifies over tax fraud scandal. Scholz rejects accusations of impropriety in his handling of a multi-billion euro tax fraud when he was Hamburg mayor. This is from August 19th. So the German chancellor Olaf Scholz has rejected accusations of impropriety in his handling of a multi-billion euro tax fraud while Hamburg mayor. In the scheme of, quote, cum ex, end quote, cum hyphen ex, or dividend stripping, banks and investors would swiftly trade shares of companies around their dividend payout day, blurring stock ownership and allowing multiple parties to falsely reclaim tax rebates on dividends. The loophole, which is now closed, took on a political dimension in the northern part of Hamburg due to authorities' sluggishness in 2016 under the mayorship of Scholz at demanding repayment of millions of euros gained under the scheme by local bank Warburg. Warburg. Ooh, now that is a family name that feel free to just go look up on Wikipedia right now because it might take you onto a rabbit hole of looking into some of the elites from Europe. Warburg, which plays a big role in Germany's second largest city, eventually paid its tax bill of around 50 million euros after the federal finance ministry intervened. Okay, so is this really any surprise? No. I mean, look at what Nancy Pelosi is doing and her husband with this uh, subtle insider trading of buying and sharing stocks when you're like second or third in line at the white house uh with yeah the kind of insider information so it is really no surprise that there is this going on in the country of germany he says he didn't do it so we'll see what they say in court now going to we're sticking in germany here germany inaugurates world's first hydrogen powered train fleet a fleet of 14 trains powered entirely by hydrogen is launched in Germany's Lower Saxony state. This is incredible. I think this is very cool. Germany has inaugurated a railway line powered entirely by hydrogen, a world premier and a significant step toward for green train transport despite nagging supply challenges. So obviously uh, this is uh, groundbreaking. They're billing it as a zero emission mode of transport. That's good. Stop polluting. I get it. Clearly, this is a part of Agenda 2030. But this is one of those things where it's like, well, yeah, we should be shifting away from the awful noise and the conventional trains. The trains that we have in Canada are so out of date and slow and sad, especially compared to uh, Japan, Korea, and now Germany is getting in line here. But just Keeping it in mind that who knows about these situations. I mean, I would I want to look into the contracts, uh, you know, skimming off the top, uh, stuff like that. As here we have actually. Uh, so the uh, designed in the southern French town of Tarbes, Tarbes, and, a set, and assembled in a Salzgitter in central Germany, Alstom's trains called Coradia Evelind, they are trailblazers in the sector. The project created up to uh, the project created jobs for up to 80 employees into the two countries. The French group has inked four contracts for several dozen trains between Germany, France, and Italy with no sign of demand waning. And of course, here uh, they're saying according to the rail expert at the consultancy Roland Berger, by 2035, around 15 to 20% of the regional European market could run on hydrogen. Now if you would like to get some more information about the significance of hydrogen in a spiritual and esoteric and electrical engineering sense please go to Dan Winter at fractalfield.com and just search up hydrogen on his website and you will see the importance of hydrogen how it is one of the keys to a lot of just just it's it's very significant so please go look at that if you're interested. Okay, on to the next one here. The FBI affidavit shows concerns about documents at Trump Estate from August 26, 2022. But as this headline is the way it is, breaking news at the top is U.S. Justice Department release redacted Donald Trump Mar-a-Lago search affidavit. So they're saying that 14 of the 15 boxes recovered from former U.S. President Donald Trump His Florida estate earlier this year contained documents with classification markings, including at the top secret level, according to an FBI affidavit uh, released Friday explaining the justification for this month's search of the property. My screen froze there, so I just wonder how it is going. My apologies if there is delay. Hmm. Well, let's continue. I think that my Wi-Fi was just walking there. My apologies for about that 25-second blur. So the 32-page affidavit, even in its heavily redacted form, offers the most detailed description to date of the government records being stored at Trump's Mar-a-Lago property long after he left the white house and reveals the gravity of the government's concerns that the documents were there illegally um right well we're definitely we don't need to get too much deeper into this but uh this is very fascinating for sure there's a lot of speculation about what could be going on um i do like the idea from dark journalist that it is actually about the ufo file and there is a very good credence as to why uh, we could speculate that, but that's as much speculation as to do, and that is from Dark Journalist. So please go check out his stuff on YouTube. On to the next one: The Biden administration is to cancel at least ten thousand dollars in student loan debt. President Joe Biden says loan forgiveness will help families that need it most amid debt crisis in the United States. Good. Great, yeah. Student debt is out, is is outstanding. It's it's insane. It is a total trap, and it's unfair, and it's predatory, and really, they should be forgiving a lot of this debt. Absolutely. So interesting to uh, that the next article though is that the White House defends U.S. student loan forgiveness amid criticism. Joe Biden says he will never apologize for helping America's middle class as critics say canceling debt is unfair. This is from August 25th. So just the day after he announces that he's going to be canceling the student debt, they have to defend it. And to me, this is clearly a PR strategy because... Like it's just insane that the the system itself, the establishment, is the reason why these kids are the, these uh, humans are stuck in these traps of debt from education. And there are people that are criticizing it, saying it's unfair to relieve them at, relieve their debt. Like, I don't care which side of the political spectrum you are. Like, that, that's like, come on, have have some uh, compassion and all that, especially we're looking at all the bailouts from the airline industry for the mega corporations and their tax breaks like the the amount of money that the government has uh put up to keep the banks alive the airline industries uh the hotels the tourism industry during the pandemic and yet there there's all this struggle to get $10,000 of debt wiped out for students uh, but actually, it's 20000 not just 10000 So please, I hope that this is real, and good luck to all those students. I know that I'm still having some... My internet connection seems fine, but I do know, know that there is a bit of a lag. Um, hopefully, it's not too bad, but I'm just going to push through it, and we'll see. So speaking of the White House and the Pentagon, we're doing the United States part of this segment right now. The Pentagon announces a new plan to reduce the number of civilians killed in military operations. Please. Yeah, stop killing civilians. That's a great idea. The Pentagon announced a new plan, which it says will help reduce the number of civilians killed and injured by U.S. military operations, particularly drone drone strikes and better deal with the aftermath of such incidences. The U.S. military has been criticized for years for killing civilians in drone strikes, but came under increased scrutiny after the military conducted a botched strike during the chaotic withdrawal of Afghanistan last August that killed seven civilians, sorry, that killed ten civilians, seven of them children. The department also faced criticism over a 2019 airstrike in Syria that killed multiple civilians. The military acknowledged the deaths in that strike in November 2021, after the New York Times reported on them. The department ultimately held no one accountable for the 2019 strike. So the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, has ordered a 90-day review of the military's handling of civilian casualty incidences. It's called the Civilian Harm Mitigation and Response Action Plan. Okay, well, it's welcomed by human rights advocates, for sure. And please, stop killing innocent people. Should be as simple as that, right? Like how... Yeah, it's really not much more to say than that. But here we go. Uh, And I honestly, when I have these lined up, I tried not to laugh, but it's like just such a a, a massive uh, disaster facepalm. United States carries out additional airstrikes in Syria following rocket attack that injured U.S. troops, U.S. officials say, from August 25th. That previous story was CNN. This is also CNN. So the U.S. carried out additional airstrikes targeting enemy positions and rocket launches near Deir-ez-Zor in northeast Syria following a rocket attack on coalition bases. In the region, that injured three troops on Wednesday, according to a U.S. official. A number of enemy fighters were killed in the strikes, which was launched from AC-130 gunship. So I guess my question is now, are they just going to be even more secretive about if they actually kill people that they didn't mean to kill? Are they actually going to be held accountable for their crimes? Is anybody going to be held accountable? Are they just going to sweep it more under the rug and just go even more uh, like black budget? But obviously this is terrible, and some may even ask, well, what are they even doing in Syria? Why are they in Syria right now? And thats we're not going to get into that right now, but I'm sure that there's going to be an article coming up in the next Kraken Report or something where we will be able to uh, share what uh, the United States is doing in Syria. On to the next one. Japan's police chief to resign over Shinzo Abe assassination. Itaru Nakamura says he will step down over shooting of former premier last month amid concerns about security failures. Japan's national police chief says he will resign to take responsibility for the fatal shooting of former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe last month, citing the need for a fresh start for the organization. Itaru Nakamura's announcement on Thursday came as his agency released a report blaming flaws in police protection, from, uh, sorry, from planning to guarding at the scene, that led to Abe's assassination at a campaign speech on July 8th in Nara, western Japan. Well, this was one of the big questions that I had about the whole thing: is what is like how did the assassination of Shinzo Abe even take place? Um we did cover that in earlier episodes, so please feel free to uh, review. I don't remember the specific episode, but we did cover it. Well, I am freezing a lot here, so pardon my interruption here, but I got to stop recording, and maybe we will fix it up. Let's see what happens. Sorry about that, just some technical difficulties, but let's continue where we left off. So we had just covered that the Japan's police chief resigned over Shinzo Abe's assassination. On to the next one. Former U.S. police officer pleads guilty to Brianna Taylor cover-up. Kelly Ludlett becomes the first officer held criminally responsible for, responsible for the 2020 Louisville police raid that killed Taylor. Now, this is obviously one of the like most talked about situations of not only police brutality, but unfortunate police incompetence overall. So the former police officer in Louisville, Kentucky, has pleaded guilty to a federal conspiracy charge in relation to the killing of Breonna Taylor, the 26-year-old black woman whose shooting death during a police raid prompted mass protests for racial justice across the United States. She pled guilty to one count of conspiracy on Tuesday in a federal court and becoming the first officer to be held responsible, criminally responsible for the raid. Like that was just, I was absolutely messed up. And there's really no excuse or justification or anything for for what went on there. And absolutely, I hope that people uh, are held accountable. And we really have to find a middle ground between defunding the police and uh, making sure that pe- the uh, people that are supposed to protect and serve are properly trained. Next up, uh, going to uh, Al Jazeera. Biden announces nearly $3 billion in U.S. military aid to Ukraine. As Russia's invasion enters the seventh month, new U.S. aid package signals a shift towards Ukraine's long-term needs. So we're struggling to, well, they are struggling because I'm in a different country, but the United States is struggling to justify canceling student debt of I don't know how many billions of dollars, yet they are more than happy to send another couple of billion dollars to Ukraine to fight the war. And my the mentality of this is just absolutely silly, and we really, as a society, need to just stop funding wars, in my opinion. I know that I might be a little, little more hippy-dippy than uh, the average person, but... I personally am fairly anti-interventionist. I don't like that so much of the taxpayer money goes towards funding wars, national defense. Um, yeah, and just remember about that ECHO 127 program of the covert military operations reported by The Intercept. All of these are just you know proxy wars, and only the innocent people suffer. Speaking of which, uh, from Al Jazeera, Ukraine will fight to the end, Zelensky's Independence Day vow from August 24th. As Ukraine celebrates 31 years of independence from the Soviet Union, it also marks six months since the start of the Russian invasion. So the president of Ukraine, Vladimir Zelensky, vowed that his country would fight Russia's invasion until the end and would not make any concession or compromise. Wow. I mean, that's, that is intense. He says, we don't care what army you have. We only care about our land. We will fight for it until the end. I mean, I get it. You want to stay independent and all that, but Russia's pretty powerful. So unfortunately, it's it's really tough to see Ukraine coming out on top, even with uh, the United States sending so much weapons and ammunition and all that and like i i just said i would much prefer all of these wars to end um yeah but that's as far as i'll go into this because the whole russia situation with ukraine is its own deep dive that we will be addressing more in the coming near future okay but speaking of russia Ukraine. The Russia, sorry, Russia arrests ex-mayor for discrediting army amid Ukraine war. The police arrest opposition figure Evgeny Roisman, who served as mayor of Yekaterinburg from 2013 to 2018. The former mayor of Russia's fourth largest city has been arrested on charges of undermining the country's military, part of a crackdown on critics of Moscow's military action in Ukraine. So from what we're seeing with the news, Ukraine and Russia are both fairly dictatorial, and you can't really speak out against the government. I know that the Western news outlets don't want to report that Ukraine is doing it, but Ukraine is doing the exact same thing that Russia is doing. And arguably, the dissent, the the crackdown on dissent is also a very big issue in Canada. It's a big issue in the United States. It's a big issue in countries all over the world. And my Comments. I mean, I don't know necessarily what he said. That he's criticizing the military, but um, yeah, I'm hopefully that he's just saying let's try to have a peaceful resolution to all of this, and I hope that that really is just you know s- stop the fighting, right? However, clearly that's not the case, as we see in this next story. Putin orders Russia to increase size of armed forces by 137,000. The president of Russia orders the military to increase its numbers to a total of 1.15 million. Well, Russia clearly has no intention of backing down. And as we saw in the last Kraken report, the uh, latest legislation from Russia is to reward financially any mothers that prove that they have a 10th child that is alive after one year so they want to repopulate they want to boost up their arms they are Russia is getting ready for it okay but let's just take a look at this picture here and if you're only watching on the audio well please tune in uh, to see the visual of this cloud of smoke this sorry this ring that's incredible the headline says, Russian troops guard an entrance of the Kakovka hydroelectric station, a run of the river power plant of the Dnieper River in Kherson region, southern Ukraine, from AP Photos. Now, what is going on there? Interesting. Genuinely. Well, I'm going to keep this tab open because I'm going to look into that after this recording. Okay, next up, we're going to Colombia where the uh, Colombia is to suspend aerial bomb bombings against armed groups. The defense minister says shift in strategy aims to protect civilians, including children forced to join rebel groups. The new left-wing government of Colombia says it will suspend aerial bombings targeting armed groups in an effort to minimize the deaths of civilians and children who have been forcibly recruited into the organizations. Wow, the defense minister told reporters that this was a, this move was a symbol of the government's willingness to engage in possible talks with armed groups. Well, it's like hallelujah, fantastic! Let's like way to go, Colombia. Let's. I know that there's been a lot of conflict there, so please, I hope that there's open diplomatic dialogue and you actually come to a peaceful solution, and you can be an example to the United States and all these other countries that continue to bomb and commit these mass atrocities. So looking forward to what develops from this story. Meanwhile, on to the next one. South Korea military governments blamed for abuses, deaths at facility. I will repeat that headline. South Korea military governments blamed for abuses, deaths at facility. Sorry, that's just sounds awkwardly phrased. But thousands, including homeless, disabled people, people and children, were snatched off the streets and locked up at the facility. Holy moly here. South Korea's Truth and Reconciliation Commission has found the country's past military governments responsible for atrocities committed at the Brothers' Home, a state-funded facility for vagrants where thousands were enslaved and abused from the 1960s to 1980s. The landmark report on Wednesday comes 35 years after a prosecutor first exposed the horrors at the facility in the southern port city of Busan and detailed an attempted cover-up of evidence that would have confirmed state-sponsored crime. Wow. They ordered the South Korean military dictators ordered roundups to beautify the streets so it homeless and disabled people including children were snatched off the streets and brought to facility facilities where they were detained and forced to work well it's only more disturbing as we get on to this article but in the lead-up to the 1986 asian games and 1988 olympic games south korea's military government was preparing to showcase the country to the world well this is the same thing that happened in Vancouver in 2010 in the Winter Olympics, Vancouver in Canada. They rounded up the homeless people on a bus and just dumped them outside the city to neighboring communities. That is actually what they did. And we see that Korea did the same thing. South Korea did the same thing. Very disturbing and goes to make you wonder about the aesthetics and how these... Huh, like wow well we'll get on to the next one here on the same tangent we're sticking with south korea the south korea leader orders north korea war plan update sorry these al jazeera headlines are just a little confusing to me but president yoon suk you tells commanders to speed up the so-called kill chain system designed to launch preemptive attacks against north korea any plan called the kill chain system, yikes! Of course, they're concerned if North Korea is growing nuclear and missile threats. The South Korean leader gave the uh, gave the instructions on his first visit to a military bunker to the cap in the capital of Seoul in South Korea, which would serve as a command post in the event of a war. And he first his first visit coincided with the start on. Monday of military drills by the armed forces of South Korea and the United States. Yeah. Well, this just, I'm going to say it again. Let's, you know, we don't need to, we know we do not need to be having war. We don't need to be having armed conflict as a, as a society, as a global planetary civilization, we need to advance past this. And we need to stop shooting each other and stop living in a state of fear and be cooperative. And I know that it sounds like I'm all kumbaya and blah, blah, blah. But like, if you were to look at the uh, advanced scientific analysis that Dave and, my, that Dave and I did, that uh, was is the most recent video on the channel, you will see that the scientific world and academia is getting ready for a clear shift in, a uh, clear uh, paradigm shift in consciousness so the militaries have to follow suit in my opinion and speaking of we're staying on the same tangent of police forces and all that cuz that's what we love to do here is report on the corruption and keeping up with the fraud and and the geopolitics of world orders and all that stuff from canada the deputy rcmp commissioner defends use of spyware but concedes legislative gaps the force wants to mitigate any risks to Canadian privacy, Brian Larkin says. So the deputy minister, the deputy commissioner of the RCMP says its use of spyware is necessary when other investigative means run their course, but concedes there are legislative gaps in governing when such technology is used. Yeah, no doubt. And the uh, as the article says, the recent revelation that the Mounties are using spyware sparked an investigation by the House of Commons Ethics and Privacy Committee earlier this month amid concerns about the risk of invading Canadians' privacy. Yeah. Um, clearly, all of these, uh, as as we've been reporting here, uh, the Canadian industry is no different than any other ones all over the world of uh, illegal spying on their citizens, especially during the pandemic, we know that uh, the tracking technology, the governments and private corporations and militaries are all working together behind the scenes to keep to yeah, spy on all of us. And just speaking of same tangent, but a little different, uh, social media experiments reveals potential to inoculate millions of users against misinformation. This is from Science Daily from August 24th. This is the only scientific article that I'm covering today. And it the summary of this article is that briefly exposing social media users to the tricks behind misinformation boosts awareness of har- harmful online falsehoods. Even amid intense noise of the world's second most visited website, Google is set to deploy an anti-disinformation campaign based on the findings. <clears throat> So they want to inoculate us. And the term inoculation to me is uh, tangential, tangential with the jabs. And that's interesting terminology. They want to protect you from your potential disinformation. But that's uh, arguably what we're trying to do here and what I'm trying to do with the Kraken we're trying to sift through the disinformation by providing context and actually uh, audit the news. So yeah, using their own tricks against them basically. So we're a little more than halfway. And like I said, this is a longer episode. It's probably going to be about 70 minutes overall. Um, But like I said, there's a lot to cover. So we're we're still getting into it and it's, Very interesting. Still, Malaysia's ex-prime minister Najib jailed after appeal in the 1MDB case was rejected. The verdict means Najib will serve a 12-year sentence, making him the first former Malaysian prime minister to be jailed. Wow. So talk about like corruption and being held accountable. The former Prime Minister of Malaysia is beginning a 12-year prison sentence after losing his appeal in a corruption case linked to the looting of the 1MDB State Fund, with the country's top court unanimously upholding his conviction and sentence. As the Chief Justice uh, Tuan Mat says when he read out the verdict, quote, This is a simple and straightforward case of abuse of power criminal breach of trust and money laundering okay there we go and the sec- the next article is also about the same situation where uh the headline reads absolutely glorious as the malaysians hail jailing of najib Raz- razak so the citizens of malaysia are happy to see that this individual uh get held accountable for the abuse of power and money laundering that he was responsible for. Good. Right on. Next up, the Norwegian mass murderer Breivik sues Norwegian state again. The Norwegian far-right extremist Anders Bering Breivik, who killed 77 people in 2011, note that number, 77, is once again suing the Norway government in a bid to force an end to his isolation. Wow, what a difference where the somebody that killed 77 people, you know, he looks fairly healthy, to be honest. He doesn't look like he's been struggling behind bars. Uh, I can imagine that the Norwegian prison system is vastly different than the Canadian and American. But that is actually wild to me that he is suing the government a second time. To kill 77 people and then you're still suing the government for being in solitary confinement that's it he's not saying he was abused he's not saying that all these terrible things are happening he just thinks that solitary confinement is unfair but i mean what else do you do with people who do something like what he did Next up, we go on to Sri Lanka. The IMF to meet Sri Lanka president to finalize bailout package. The second such IMF visit is on Wednesday, as Sri Lanka scrambles to lock in $3 billion to pave its way out of the crisis. And again, uh, we've been covering the Sri Lanka situation with the protests and with the leaders of their country being straight from the IMF. And here it is, the article, straight up says a team from the international monetary fund will meet sri lanka's president for talks to finalize a bailout package including restructuring debt of about 29 billion amid the nation's worst financial crisis in more than 70 years well yeah that's all we need to get into with this one and on to the next one similar to the malaysia story we're doing a follow-up where here's the crime and now here's the reaction So here's the reaction to Sri Lanka. The article says from CBC News, we must not lose hope. Activists and victims seek war crimes. Seek war crimes charges against ex-Sri Lankan president. The human rights groups say now is the time to fight for accountability. Holy moly. Fantastic. You know, we're covering a lot of the corruption and the terrible things that are happening in the world. Yet at the same time, Things seem to be going in the right direction in some countries. So uh, we'll just read one, uh, just the first paragraph of this. When Sandhya Eknaligoda got the news that former Sri Lankan president, Gotabaya Rajapaksa, had fled the country in disgrace aboard a military jet in the wee hours of Wednesday in July, she couldn't quite believe it. A month and a half later the human rights activist still can't fathom that the moment she had dreamed of and prayed for had finally become a reality it felt like vindication but also an opportunity rajapaksa was no longer protected by the immunity by the immunity that comes with the office of presidency and could be prosecuted for alleged war crimes committed while he was the defense secretary and head of the armed forces overseeing the end of sri lanka's decades long civil war Fascinating. So just like Malaysia, let's see if these folks are going to be held uh, accountable and justice will be served. Now, this is the part of the Kraken Report that's actually going to be getting pretty controversial. So strap in and enjoy this right here. From CBC News, A tiny fraction of the high seas are protected. Why? A United Nations Treaty is needed now more than ever. Canada, accused of stalling progress as Greenpeace warns negotiations are on the brink of failure. Right. So there has to be some push towards protecting the oceans. This article does talk about deep sea mining, which is very interesting, and I'm actually going to be using this in future episodes for my own research. But the point that I'm uh, that I want to connect with this is going to this next article: Steve Hoffenberg, the Epstein mentor and one-time New York Post manager, found dead, August twenty fifth, twenty twenty two. Stephen Hoffenberg, the disgraced businessman and longtime mentor of Jeffrey Epstein, was found dead Tuesday when Connecticut police discovered his rotting corpse during a wellness check. Authorities discovered Hoffenberg, who spent 18 years in prison for running a half-billion-dollar Ponzi scheme, dead in his home around 8 p.m. He was 77 at the time of his death. So the reason that I am starting with this story about cleaning up the oceans, connecting it with Stephen Hoffenberg, Epstein associate, is because we're going here now. Victoria's Secret, ooh, sorry, the website here. Victoria's Secret CEO insists the documentary that explored ties to Jeffrey Epstein was a non-event. Also from August 25th, 2022. The CEO of Victoria's Secret insisted that the explosive Hulu documentary in July that chronicled the lingerie giant's link to dead pedophile Jeffrey Epstein was a non-event, instead blaming the retailer's lackluster quarter on the economy. However, I watched this documentary. It was part of, a uh, significant part of research, actually. And, It was called Victoria's Secret, Angels and Demons. It illustrated the close relationship between Jeffrey Epstein and billionaire Les Wexner, the former head of Victoria's Secret, and its parent, L. Brands. Now, this is being connected to the first, or the, the Ocean Treaty article, because of Gillian Maxwell, who made appearances at the United Nations, who had Terramar, which was an ocean conservation NGO. And any time that I read about oceans and high seas needing to be protected with the UN involved, that gets me suspicious. So the timing of all of that, yeah, this is massive for Hoffenberg to be found dead in his home. And the same time that uh, that this article comes out, also by the New York Post, where Les Wexner says it was a non-event. And so, though, definitely stay tuned. We're going to go deeper into that, but you're probably going to need to go check out Generation Z on Patreon to get our full uh, the the full scope of these articles, because unfortunately, YouTube is not necessarily a safe space to talk about that. So we're hitting the tail end of our of the report here. And thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun, and I hope you are too. So next up from also from the New York Post, Mark Zuckerberg tells Joe Rogan Facebook was wrong to ban the post's Hunter Biden laptop story. I haven't listened to this one yet on Joe Rogan. I listen to him from time to time, but I have not listened to Mark Zuckerberg on the show. But he finally admitted on Thursday that Facebook dropped the ball when the company banned the sharing of the Post's exclusive report on Hunter Biden's laptop ahead of the 2020 election. Okay, well, right on. He did say the quote from Zuckerberg is, yeah, it sucks. It turned out after the fact, the fact checkers looked into it, No one was able to say it was false. I think it sucks. Though, in the same way that probably having to go through a criminal trial, but being proven innocent in the end sucks. So I see what he's saying, but it's not quite really the same. And it's funny that he threw Twitter under the bus because he says, well, at least you could talk about it. But they were Facebook. Meta did ban it. Um, But yeah. So these three from the New York Post, and actually I'm going to start incorporating a lot of New York Post's uh, stories uh, into the Kraken reports because those are perspectives that we're not really seeing elsewhere. else. But this is not from the New York Post, but this is from a related story that the New York Post suggested for me from a website called Page Six. The Zoe 101 star Alexa Nicholas protests traumatic and unsafe Nickelodeon environment. And note just that I'm keeping this in line with the Epstein story because, well, this is on the same tangent. So the actress Alexa Nicholas, who is best known for starring in Nickelodeon's Zoe 101, staged a protest outside of the company's headquarters in Burbank, California on Thursday. The 30-year-old who appeared on the hit show alongside Jamie Lynn Spears said, quote, she didn't feel safe End quote, during her stint on the series and detailed the alleged abuse she faced at the hands of Nickelodeon execs. Wow. The network was slapped with severe allegations by former iCarly star Jeanette McCurdy, who recently published a bombshell memoir titled I'm Glad My Mom Died, about the alleged abuse she faced. I mean, I'm sorry if this is disturbing and I could have given you a disclaimer, but yeah, at the protest, Nicholas, who leads the organization Eat Predators, which advocates for survivors of sexual abuse, alleged the work environment was not safe. Uh, The actress seemingly called out Dan Schneider, who created iCarly and Zoe 101 as the creator of childhood trauma. And I have heard this before about Dan Schneider and Nickelodeon. And I can't really get into any more than that because we don't have, I just don't have the proper information in front of me. Don't want to say anything that we're not allowed to say, but that is a pretty significant. uh, uh, This is a pretty significant one. And I'm sure that our followers of Generation Z have looked into this themselves with what goes on with childhood actresses uh child actors and that whole world of hollywood and mickey mouse club and all that stuff but on to the next one we've got about 10 more minutes for this episode and again thank you for being here from the jerusalem post the headline says the Mossad are likely behind salman rushdie's stabbing claims a denver professor so Nader hashemi director of the Center for Middle East Studies at the University of Denver, said Rushdie's attacker may have been convinced to commit the attack by a Mossad agent. And the stabbing of novelist Salman Rushdie last week may have been orchestrated by the Mossad, suggested Nader Hashemi, director of the Center for Middle East Studies at the University of Denver, in a Saturday interview out of the host of the Iran podcast. So again, this is on the Jerusalem Post, which is a big news organization from Israel, having a headline talking about a professor in the United States who's a director of the Center for the Middle East Studies, saying that the Mossad are likely behind the attack of Salman Rushdie. And I'm including this on the in these five five or six articles because of Jeffrey Epstein's connections to Ghislaine Maxwell, who. His father was Robert Maxwell, who was pretty well known to be a Mossad agent in the speculative um, world of intelligence. So fast like fascinating, disturbing, but fascinating. Okay. And now we're getting, okay, we're we're closing out this theme. So we're kind of winding down a little bit. That was the climax of it. There's a lot like that's I understand that's some pretty sensitive stuff, but You know, this is news. This is mainstream news that we're reporting here. California board approves 2035 plan to go electric, phase out gas-powered cars. From the Associated Press on CBC News. Gas-powered cars won't be eliminated, but plan is expected to offer ambitious roadmap to reduce emissions. Right, of course, uh, agenda 2030. But in this case, it's uh, 2035 and remember the German hydrogen trains where they want to shift everything over to hydrogen. That's great. And here we have, uh, yeah, just another step forward in the zero carbon, uh, sorry, zero emission uh, goal. But sure, hopefully that electric powers are, electric vehicles are better than gas-powered cars. but we'll see. I'm not really versed in vehicles because I'm a cyclist. I ride my bike and I walk. So next up, we got now these three, these actually next four, one, two, three, four, five, these next five stories going to be quick, but they're all connected and they're from all over the world. First up, train strike over wages disrupts traffic in the Netherlands. Dutch railway workers launch a 24-hour strike seeking pay increases to compensate for skyrocketing inflation. Okay, so the Netherlands uh, train train workers are going to launch a strike because they want to get paid more. Now let's go to the United Kingdom. Thousands of postal workers launch a strike in the United Kingdom over a pay dispute. Workers at Royal Mail Group join picket lines after being given a pay rise that falls far short of inflation. So now you have the United Kingdom also going on protests for their uh, postal uh, the postal workers, and here we have another thing from the United Kingdom in the energy topic. The United Kingdom sees 80% energy price hike amid cost of living crisis. The regulator Ofgem says its energy price cap will nearly double in October, worsening the country's cost of living crisis. Right, so that is definitely an issue. Uh, everywhere in the world is dealing with inflation and yes not a surprise at all on to the next one south africa unions go on protests against high cost of living so the netherlands the united kingdom and south africa the protests were against soaring cost of living power cuts and high unemployment rates in south africa also sri lanka was protesting this i believe um ecuador was protesting this um the the dutch farmers Uh, also in Netherlands, also have been protesting. So people clearly all over the world can't really afford much anymore. And there is absolutely a shift happening. So I, uh, I love to see all of these protests, honestly. Now, the final one in this little series, this group, Macron of France, Warns that the French need to prepare for difficult time ahead. Macron says that the that France faces sacrifices in a new era marked by climate change and Rus- Russia's war in Ukraine. So, after a summer marked by drought, massive wildfires, and continuing loss of life in Ukraine, the 44-year-old on Wednesday delivered a stark speech at the start of the first cabinet after the after the first first cabinet meeting after the country's traditional August holiday break. So just like we've seen in Germany and in and the United Kingdom and France, they're all talking about rationing water. They're all talking about energy being more expensive. And now they're also pushing more fear but with the Russia-Ukraine war. And then we see the United States continuing to pledge more money to the war in Russia and Ukraine. And then we also see Russia uh, increasing their military presence. They're not going to stop. None of these powers are going to stop until everybody forces them to stop hopefully peacefully though but so we're ending this segment of the Kraken this episode number 240 and I know that I've I've gone long here but thank you for bearing with me and uh, hopefully that this is you know this basically is your whole week of news in one program now these 3 are connected these 4 are connected uh, to go to CTV News of Vancouver, Canada. British Columbia First Nation asks Scotland Museum to return totem pole taken in 1929. Delegates from the Nisga'a First Nation are in Scotland this week to discuss repatriating a memorial totem pole it says was stolen nearly a century ago. So, yeah, colonial powers have looted and stolen things that didn't belong to them, and the rightful owners of these items are asking for them back. Absolutely. This, I can't remember the specific countries, but I've already covered two or three of these where they're like, yeah, sorry, we'll give you back all the stuff that we stole. Speaking of which, Germany signs deal to return Nigeria's Benin bronzes. French art historians have estimated that some 90% of Africa's looted cultural heritage is believed to be in Europe right so uh just saying that uh british soldiers took hundreds of bronzes intricate sculptures and plaques dating back to the 19th century onwards when they invaded the kingdom of benin located in what is now southwestern nigeria in 1897. they stole at least 512 objects Mm -hmm. yeah well these colonial powers Uh, my apologies there. These colonial powers really just took what they wanted. And the 90% of Africa's looted cultural heritage is believed to be in Europe. Like, we're not going to get into uh, the racist conversation and all that, but like, we, we really have to recognize the damage that colonialism has done and the unfairness that colonial conquest has done. Um, It's I'm not going to give you a history lesson here because I'm you're all intelligent. So you all know what's going on or what has happened. But yeah, I'm happy to see that cultures are getting back their possessions. And even in Canada, we have a movement where it's, you know, indigenous cultures wanting their land back, which is an interesting concept to get into. But we won't right now. But on to the next story. And this blew me away. Brazil, to display heart of the monarch who declared independence in 1822. From Reuters News, the heart of Portuguese monarch Dom Pedro I, who declared Brazilian independence from Portugal 200 years ago, was named Emperor of Brazil, arrived from Portugal on Monday, and will be put on display as part of independence anniversary celebrations. The heart has been kept in an urn with formaldehyde in the Portuguese city of Porto since Pedro's death in 1834 in Portugal at the age of 35. Like, speaking of colonialism, and that's a fascinating one, that the Portuguese colonized Brazil, and they claimed uh, from two, 2 it's been 200 years. So it's a little creepy that they kept the heart of the individual, but hey, that's their way of celebrating their culture, so who's to say what's what's weird? And the last thing we're reporting on today. The theft of the Churchill portrait from Chateau Laurier is not just a burglary, says former FBI agent. The theft of an iconic portrait of Sir Winston Churchill from Ottawa's Chateau Laurier Hotel was likely an inside job, a former art crime investigator with the FBI says. that is interesting i will read you the quote from the fbi investigator usually when a situation like this occurs it's not a shoplifting it's not just a burglary it's someone from the inside who had access who knew what they were looking for knew what the security measures were that were protecting the peace and that they were able to defeat those measures because they had inside information and so the the context of this is that the hotel made the discovery last weekend after noticing the photograph wasn't hung properly and the portrait's frame did not match the others from Karsh that are also hung in the Chateau Laurier's Reading lounge. Turns out that they figured that it was a replica. So they put a fake in replacement and they stole the real one. That is a fascinating, you know, I, I don't condemn... any sort of like burglary and all that but that's a little ironic when the uh, high-end political figure such as Churchill who has been responsible for a lot of arguably like war crime related stuff had a portrait of him stolen right after we see the articles of other colonial powers returning looted artifacts anyway Thank you so much for being here. This, again, is uh, the Kraken Report number 240 here at Generation Z. This is Riel reporting. And this will be up either this evening uh, on August 26th or it'll be up at some point August 27th on Saturday for your weekend Kraken Roundup. Thank you so much for being here. And please let your leave your comments down below. Have a great weekend. See you all soon.